You just put it in the right file according to alphabetical order. You know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Hello and welcome, welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen? It's a podcast where we talk about movies, uh, usually a movie that at least one of us hasn't seen. This week, most of us hadn't seen it. Uh, This is episode 21, and the movie is Vampire's Kiss. So joining me this week, I'm Travis, and joining me I have Josh. Hello. And how you doing? Uh, David. Uh, Hello. (laughs) I'm doing well. All right. AJ. How's it going? Going well. And a special guest this week uh, with us from the Retro Cinema Podcast, Gidget Von LaRue. G'day. How you all doing? I'm doing quite well. And uh, thank you for joining us. It's uh, kind of fun to have somebody new on the podcast. My pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure. And what part of Michigan is Gidget from? <laughs> <laughs> the, the upper part. Yeah. Oh. South yeah, Detroit. If, yeah. that Journey song? South right. Detroit. Yep. Uh, so, Gidget, you're the only one on this group in this group that has seen this movie before. Um, I have, and I've even podcasted this movie before. Oh well. So yeah, <laughs> we we did. I did it on the Retro Cinema podcast with uh, Sam from Movie Reviews in Twenty Q's podcast over there in New Zealand. So uh, it's one of his favorite Nicolas Cage movies. One of his. I, I think you've got it with Nicolas Cage. Put him in categories because. Yes. You, you watch this movie and you think this can't be the same actor that was in Lord of War. I know. You know, he's a bit of a Mark Wahlberg comparing him from The Happening to The Departed. And it, 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 yeah, <laughs> you no. really don't think it's the same person. This is coming directly after Moonstruck too, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. like that contrast between the, the two movies alone, yeah. Yeah, and there, you there know had, there had to be drugs involved. I oh, <laughs> I, I'm going to suggest it was the masculine he yeah. mentioned in the movie. They probably just that was an ad lib. He didn't realize they were rolling. <laughs> could could very well be because it, it's great. Works. It, it's literally like he just said, <sighs> "What crazy shit can I do in this movie?" And they let him do all of it because you know I. Josh had posted in our group chat a video, a link to a video somebody did. I think it was from uh, – where did you grab that? How, how did this get made? Yeah, they covered this uh, a couple years ago. Yeah, and it was it was excerpts from the um, uh, commentary track with the director and Nicolas Cage. And most of them um, are just Nicolas Cage saying, I don't know what was going on here. And the director <laughs> saying the same thing too. Like we really didn't – we had an idea, but we didn't yeah. stand it out. I mean, well I, th- well, I think it's you know the director was uh, Robert Bierman, and I he I'm pretty sure he had never directed a movie before. No, and, and you can looking, tell. yeah, and, I'm not surprised. And looking at his IMDb, he hasn't really directed one since. I mean, he's done some TV <laughs> series and some TV movies, but yeah, this was his first. Um, actually, that was one of the IMDb trivia things was director Robert Bierman's feature length debut. I'm like, really? You couldn't tell. <laughs> Once you perfected and, and, it, you just Call it, call it a day, and move on. Yeah, and I think they went. I think they went rogue a couple of times as well. I don't think they had permission to f- film a lot of the scenes, especially on the streets. No, uh, that last bit where where he's at the end and he's talking to no one, um, and he's he's got the blood and everything like that, and and you can see the people walking behind going, "What the hell is going on?" Yeah, and they yeah. even mentioned that in some of the commentary um, that he was just shooting with a really long lens and there was just people wandering by there was, so those were genuine reactions um, when he's running around yelling i'm a vampire i'm a vampire like that was just let's just run and get it and nobody so, responded because it was new york and like this is that would that qualify as like method directing i mean <laughs> <laughs> well you know this was 1988 89 right around there so you could get away with stuff like that Back in the seventies and eighties, even you know, especially in New York, nowadays there's no chance you could do that. But you know, at the same time, people are doing it all the time because there's cameras everywhere. But you could get away with you know having. Uh, and Nicolas Cage wasn't nearly as well known back then either. 
So having oh, him running true. running around like that, you could um, you know do that without him getting attacked or or something. Um, although if it happened nowadays, they would just chalk it up to yep, Nicolas Cage, way too many drugs. Who knows? You watching <laughs> on TMZ? Now it's funny because in a uh, in an interview, Nicolas Cage said this was his favorite movie that he ever made. Uh, and this was an interview he did last year with GQ. Wow. So I guess when you just get to do whatever the hell you want, like, yeah, I can see that being your favorite. It's – he just – he even says at one point, um, like, the, the shot, and you see it, it's the meme picture of him with just his eyes bugging out. He said right there, he's like, all I was trying to do here was make my eyes as big as possible just to freak her out. That's what's going through his head when he's filming this stuff. And I, th- a- I think he, I think he genuinely freaked out poor Maria Conchita Alonso. Oh, definitely. Like, I felt so bad. That, for that her. wasn't acting. That was fear in that woman's eyes. And actually, it's it's funny. After we podcasted this movie, um, Sam and I were going to go out and get a t-shirt that just said "Poor Alva," and <laughs> that's it. And so the only people that would get that t-shirt are people that have seen this movie, right? Sounds like a band name too. <laughs> it does. It does. Oh. But it, but that's all you say during this entire movie. Poor Alva. Yeah, she had like a. It's like an abusive relationship, like being in this movie. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Well, you know, it, you ha- you have to wonder how a movie like this gets made, and the only thing I can think of is because it's Nick Cage. Even at this stage in his career, he's still. He was Nicholas Coppola. I mean, he was born into the Coppola family, so there's there's got to be something of that that helped like a movie like this get made because they they even say they didn't really know what they were doing, and it's just I I don't know. You have to wonder like it's who was the who was the writer because I know we're talking about the director. But was the director the writer on this as well? No, writer was someone called Joseph Minion. Yes, and he hasn't done a whole lot else. I'm wondering um, if, like, they had a script and then they didn't keep the writer around and they're just like, yeah, let's just take what we want and fill in the rest as we come up with it. Oh, like, there was some, there was a plan here at some point. Somebody had a plan or a, a vision for it. Well, there were choices being made. I don't know if there was a plan, but there were definitely choices being made. You know, the accent yeah. is one of them. Um, <laughs> I, I guess he based that on his dad loosely. That's what he said, yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, he... The the thought process was, well, he would use that accent to try and impress people, which is a good way to explain away why his accent comes and goes throughout the movie. Because basically any time he had to emote in any way, his accent was gone. Like he couldn't hold that and do crazy at the same time. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was... Back and forth. That, that was in the too hard basket. That was just, just yeah. You know, I'll, I'll do the accent when I'm calm, but when I'm freaking <laughs> out, I'm going back to you know Nicholas Cage. Exactly. I can do one or the other, but I can't do both. Can't, <laughs> it was kind. Of, it was kind of like um, uh, what's his face in Miami Vice the other week. Every time he got loud, uh, oh, oh Colin Farrell, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every time he got loud, straight back to uh, Irish. Straight back. <laughs> well, and I mean. I guess it kind of makes sense because if you think the other movie I can think of where Nick Cage did an accent that's in my brain is uh, Con Air. And he holds that most of the movie, but he also never has to really yell. It, it's one of the few times where he doesn't yell in a movie that I can remember. And I'm, I might be remembering that wrong, but you know this, this one was like every time he had to yell or get upset or anything like that as his character slowly you know spiraled into madness, like he would just completely dropped the accent like he didn't care yeah but he didn't always have to yell but he still chose to well yeah he definitely i mean you would (laughs) sure if you get away with that um he also really ate that cockroach that was a real thing um Uh, it looked legit i i didn't doubt that when he did that apparently he had to do it three times they did three takes they and they used the first one yeah They just, um, the director, there's bits in the commentary where the, the, him and the director are talking about like, yeah, I messed up a shot, and then so you made me eat a bug three times, and then I did this, and it was like they basically were playing back and forth, just annoying each other. Because you know that <laughs> makes for a good work movie. environment. Yeah, 
And I, lo- I, lo- I love how when he did that after the movie came out and the small amount of people that actually did go and see it, um, the, the animal rights activists actually <laughs> all complained about it. It's like, seriously, it's a cockroach. Right. Like, I think what was his know, thing like? If none of you ever used a can of Raid, I think was his it, his comeback. Yeah. yeah. Well, literally none of you care. Yeah, me, but, but none of you have stepped on an ant or anything or, yeah. or yeah. you know, sprayed a fly or, you know. But, I mean, the, the thing is, I, I know that um, in some Asian countries they fry them up, locusts and grasshoppers and cockroaches and stuff like that. And it's, 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 my theory is as long as you fry it, you could pretty much eat anything. There is a whole argument against eating things while they're still alive, which you don't see here in like the States or even Europe, but there are a few dishes like over in Asia that I've run across where part of the act of eating is the thing you're eating is only partially cooked or still alive. And yeah, I think octopus is the main thing, isn't it? The little, the little octopus, they like eating. Yep. That's one of them. There are some others. Yeah. And that's frowned upon by the animal rights groups. I really think if this had been done today, they could have just said it was locally sourced and they would have gotten away with it. Well, no, it would have been. <laughs> they can't. Just, just found like, one. They're just picking them up on the set or whatever. Like they, these are. Yeah. It's like when you go to get like mice for your snake. It's like you have to go someplace and make sure it's like edible. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. No, they get sterile cockroaches for stuff like this. Even even in a movie this chaotic, they do that. Um, yeah. And you know, chaotic like. The whole the scene where he's smashing up the apartment, none of that's fake. None of that's fake like oh. sugar glass. That's yeah. all real glass he's chucking around there, which is incredibly dangerous. But I guess when you only have a two million dollar budget and your director doesn't care. <laughs> I kinda was wondering, other than Cage's like salary, what did they spend the other the rest of the money on? I know that this is the eighty eight, but still when you watch the entire thing it was like two steps above student film and at least production quality, I thought. And I just kind of wondered, like, where did you spend $2 million? I uh, can't masculine. imagine. We've already answered. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jennifer, well, Jennifer Beals was a big. Yeah. Jennifer Beals was still, still a big deal in, in the late eighties. Um, so she yeah, probably she'd got, already done um, flash dance. So she, yeah. she was probably better known than Nicholas Cage. Really, and I think um, Maria Conchita Alonso. So what? This was eighty nine. Yeah, this would have been after the Running Man. Yeah, this was after the Running Man. So they'd all done a movie that did really. I mean, Moonlighting was huge. I think it won Best Picture or something. Or I know, I know, sure won Best Actress. So that got a lot of, lot of recognition. So they they all had something under their belt. So the salaries wouldn't have been tiny. But you've still got a huge camera crew, and you've still got to pay for. You know, there was the woman that was his. Um, therapist mm-hmm. as well all those actors have to be paid for and you know all the extras in the nightclub scene speaking of they- yeah and speaking of the extras there were uh there was an extra we'll ride here like <laughs> well and so did anybody catch the one extra recognize them it was in one of the early shots but it was david hyde pierce yeah he's actually he's got a credit in this doesn't he? he does and he literally <laughs> is just shown on camera he doesn't speak it just the camera kind of pans by him, but yeah. it was a very young David Hyde Pierce. There were so many extras that the camera focused on. Like there was one scene <laughs> in particular early in the movie where, like, they picked up individual audio from like I, I, they must have just had like an area mic and they were just picking up around where he was. Mm-hmm. You're, you're getting conversations. You're like, oh, who are the? Oh, we're no, we're, we we keep going. Okay. Oh, now what are they? Oh no, we're we're still going. Why are these people talking? Why do I care? Yeah, and that's where I kind of I get where AJ's coming from with the sort of you know step or two above student film in terms of like production quality because that's the kind of thing that and the the chaos the which the director even said like the set was just insanely chaotic um, so I kind of get that like you're just sort of picking up and using whatever audio you've got and it, none of it really made that much sense you know they had the little kid on the stairwell in the beginning of the movie <laughs> and then yeah. they keep focusing on him. And then he just disappears and he's gone. He's the chick in the bucket for this one. You know, <laughs> that's, I think that's the other thing. There's some really strange choices. We got like, I would have loved to have been in the editing room <laughs> with all the footage for this movie and, and asking the editor, okay, so why did you pick that scene? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's that scene where he's just, he's just sitting on his chair with his coat 
mm-hmm. and it doesn't go anywhere. Like he just he's sitting there doing his crazy face, and he just walks off scene. See, I think I figured that one out. It was actually they were playing a game of Dungeons and Dragons and had a bunch of dice out, and so they just <laughs> continuously roll to see what they were going to do and when they were going to do it, and that's how they got the film. Yeah, that was that was a rest break. That was, it was just like yeah. a rest so we could. And the they just filmed part. it and just went, yeah, put it in the movie. Yeah, sure, why not? That's interesting. Put it in the movie. Although I will say credit to the my favorite extra in this movie is the old lady oh. that's in the bathroom. She's oh, so yeah. great. And if you watch that scene again, she looks directly down the camera the entire time she walks out of the bathroom. There was, and yep, she did it. And then there was another one, and I actually had a note on it because um, it, it made me like write it down, was one of the other people in the office says a line and then just spikes the camera. I'm like, really? And you just leave that in? Okay, sure. You couldn't do one more take that's, of that? That's the budget they have. <laughs> we're going to get Nick eating a cockroach three times. We can't afford to reshoot these other scenes. That's true. Film is expensive. <laughs> I think I think it's the only scene that they actually, you know, did a bit of a Kubrick and go, right, that, that wasn't perfect. Let's do it again. Because I think every other scene they're like, right, that'll do. Next. <laughs> Got it in one. Yeah. Yep. yep. Nailed it. No, I can't but... believe this is going so fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they probably filmed it in like three days or something. I... We only tried once, and that's all we needed. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we'll sort it out in editing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that old chestnut. <laughs> you know, We're perfect, but, guys. But the interesting thing is the more I've – so I watched the movie yesterday, and the, I've been thinking about it a lot. And, Josh, you had said something to me about uh, – you're like, I don't know what I'm going to have to talk about because what was it you said? Like every time I think about the movie or you kept watching it and then old parts of the movie would just get deleted from your memory. Yeah, it's 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 weird. Like I remember distinct parts of the movie. I can't really apply them to any coherent narrative or structure, but I remember individual moments. But as I would start to write a note down, I'd look back up and I'm like, wait, everything changed. What, what did I miss? It was like, no, it literally just... <laughs> Changed frames to another shot, and it was like, yeah. "Oh, what?" Yeah. Well, it, so so vampires kiss actually broke Josh's brain. Yeah, but I, I think so. Um, I, I did at, at a certain point. I thought I started to understand it. So I think I see uh, what you're going yeah, it for. Definitely broke your brain then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I so a few weeks back we uh, discussed fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. I think that had a more coherent storyline. So I followed that. Yeah, letter. that's actually exactly where I was going because this movie doesn't have like a narrative plot really. Uh, it's and it made me think of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which is objectively a better movie in so much as that director knows what he's doing, right? So as much as he can, it's right? Terry Gilliam. It's, yeah, right. It's Terry Gilliam, so you know you have to take that with a grain of salt. But he at least can structure a film, even if it is completely insane. This was like if you you know you take Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas or The Fisher King or any of Terry Gilliam's movies, you take Terry Gilliam out of it and just put you know some dude that's on the street that says, "Yeah, I went to film school." This is what you're going to get, and so that's that was what I kept thinking throughout the whole thing. Is like okay, because I I was trying to make sense of it for about two thirds of the movie, and I just gave up, and I'm just like, no, I'm just going to take this in as like an experience. And it actually made it a lot better. It's still not a, it's by no means a good movie, but it made it easier to watch. And it made me actually think I would watch this again in the context of I want to show this to some people. I want somebody to, to experience. Break. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well and to and watch the, the thing is, there have been other films where I've just not liked it. I thought it was horrible, etc. And I've been, I would never watch this. I wouldn't recommend it. I can't say that about this. I actually have, I would recommend people watch this once because it is an experience. Yes. Yes. It's just like, it's sort of the 80 version of the room. Yeah. You know, you you have to love how just insanely crazy. I mean, I don't even know whether you'd call it. I suppose you'd have to call it a bad movie, but it's showgirls bad. You love it. Sort of. Thing, but I think the biggest problem is it doesn't seem to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. No, it just seems to be. You could just put it on rotate, and it would still make sense, sort of thing. Well, so my my understanding, I okay, did that bat that attacked him bite him? No, no. I've no. heard people say, "Oh, it bit him," and I'm like, no. I don't think it did. 
but yeah, my understanding is from that moment, he believes he's turning into a vampire and then we're seeing his hallucination, which I, I don't know if he was sick before that or not, but I mean, it's basically somebody was like, so what happens if you turn into a vampire? Like you eat small animals and then you progress up, you can't see crosses and you can't see your reflection. And they just knocked out every scene that's associated with becoming a vampire because none of those things were true because he's standing in front of like he had no vampire characteristics apart from the stuff that he was putting on. Right. Yeah, I mean, in in, in the summary of it, it says he's mentally ill. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it is yeah. it is like watching. He's already not normal at the beginning. You so, know, he's not fully sturdy mental yeah. wise, and yeah. then it, it really, if you summed it up, it's just it's watching Nicolas Cage delve. Very quickly into ins- complete insanity. Yeah, until and at the end he's like he's ready for a straitjacket. At the end, there. Basically, you know what this movie actually made me think of was American Psycho. West Side Story. No, <laughs> uh, no. Li- li- honestly, it made me think of American Psycho because yeah, that, that, yeah, the Patrick Bateman yeah, 80s, Patrick you know. Bateman. It's set in the same time period. Now the book this came out before that, though. No, the book. Yeah, this came out before that. The book came out in like ninety one. The movie was late nineties. Um, but it's the same kind of an idea where it's somebody who's already mentally disturbed and they just keep spiraling downwards. Now the difference is this movie actually had a body count because American Psycho, it's all in his head, whereas in this he does actually, you know, he, he when he walks by the newspaper. And you see, you know, girl found dead or whatever. He he did actually kill someone, and then oh, yeah. he the takes the from coke girl. Yeah. So are we saying that Vampire's Kiss is more violent than American Psycho? Not more violent. It just had more deaths in it. <laughs> more lethal. Yeah, it's true. True, it did. Yeah. But it it really it honestly, the, as I was thinking about it today, I'm like, it really reminded me of that movie, and I had a lot of the same kind of reactions to watching American Psycho where I was like, I don't like this. It's not good. But then I kept thinking about it afterwards. Like, but I kind of want to show it to somebody else because I want them like, to have that same experience. This mess? Like, right. Well, and, and not only that, but just that experience of like seeing what unfolds because you really, the character Peter Lowe is going crazy and, and he's acting like a crazy person. I mean, you could, he, yes, he's over the top, but I've seen some crazy homeless people in cities like New York and Chicago, and they do get crazy over the top like that. So it is cartoonish, but at the same time, uh, at least a, a grain of believability in that part of it. It doesn't make the movie good by any stretch. but so, No. So we need to analyze how did he keep his job? Yeah. That's a I mean, great he's a question. Literary agent. <laughs> how how was that possibly even back there in the eighties? Uh, you know, I know things were not as strict then, but you know, just the treatment of Alva. You know, and there's witnesses. There's people in the office watching that. Like when he comes racing out and jumps on the desk, and then like chases her. It's like full blown harassment. <laughs> yeah, I, I, harassment. I, I want to go ahead and suggest that we we know he's mentally ill. And we saw at the end where they're going between what is actually happening versus what's happening in his head with him talking to the therapist. And like, you can't necessarily know then if you go backwards, how much of what we're seeing is truth versus his own reality, almost like a touch of fight club where like, I wouldn't go that far. I was alluding to the whole, you know, not knowing the difference between the characters until that aha moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, so, like, do, we so don't... do you guys think that Rachel, the Jennifer Bills character, actually existed? She did. She, she existed. Was in the art gallery. Yeah, she she existed, uh, but she was not what he thought she was. Like he, she wasn't she what? wasn't the vampire character. But there was probably a girl that he met, and my my theory is that he actually struck out with her. Like, he didn't yeah. pick her up and take her home and then constructed all this in his head. My my theory about that, not that there's – it's again, it's just a theory, mm-hmm. um, is at the end when they're in the sort of underground club after he bites the neck of the woman and kills her, um, he sort of talks to her and she's like, 
uh, in real life, she's like, oh, man, you're crazy. And then in his hallucination, she's saying, you know, she's uh, abusing him. Like, you're you're not you're weak. You don't even have fangs. But then after he's leaving or already left the club, there's a shot of her and the dude who looks like a generic European bad guy from 80s movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Oh, in, <laughs> yeah, in uh, in the dance floor where they sort of like smile, that makes me think. Th- that made me think that they are vampires, and he like was like the the toxin affected him wrong or something, and like he failed at becoming one. Well, I think so, I, not to actually credit this movie. They gave him like I mean, a smile when he wasn't even in the scene anymore. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and interject for a second about i think travis you'd said you weren't certain whether he'd actually hooked up with her on that night in the open you know that yeah part of the first act i think though that as we've mentioned earlier there's the kid and we see this you know this kid seeing the girl and then the mom grabbing the kid that would suggest i think that it did happen because you are outside of his perception she's out in the hall Yes. For that to have happened in the movie, we can't think that this is part of his psychosis. But that's a different person. That's a different girl. That's the Jackie girl that he ditches later. I'm talking about. That's a different one. Yeah, I'm talking Uh, about Rachel Jennifer Beals. Yep. I'm just getting mixed up. Nope. It's easy to do with this movie. In the movie. (laughs) But it's a good point in the outside of his perception, which is what I'm sort of saying with them in the dance floor, sort of looking at each other and smiling. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. I think that's definitely giving the movie a lot more credit than it deserves. But uh, <laughs> can, yeah. I, can I? Can, I was going to say I, we're, we're analyzing this, and, and you know, the, <laughs> it's pro- it was probably just ah, let's just do it. We're thinking yeah, about this can, a lot more than they did. Maybe, can I ask another genius. question? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can I you? ask another question? Sure. Um, I have my own opinions, and I'm sure you will. Wikipedia lists this movie as a dark comedy. Uh, IMDb lists this as a drama horror. What do you think it was supposed to be? See, it's really tough for me to say because Nicolas Cage has done a lot of very strange and out there movies. And then listening to his commentary, now whether it's revisionist history on his part or not, but they said repeatedly in that commentary that uh, you know people didn't, it didn't do well because people didn't understand what they were trying to do, which makes me think they were trying to do some sort of a uh, twisted um, borderline black comedy. So my, my opinion was that they were trying to make a horror movie (laughs) and that's what I read came off as comedy because not a single thing. Literally, the only time I was intimidated or scared by this character was when he was telling Alva to shoot him and said he was going to rape her, sort of in that downstairs scene. That was the only time where I thought, they're not trying to make this funny. There's no way to make this specific thing funny, which put it in my head that that was supposed to be a scary moment and that's what they were trying for. Yeah, no, well, probably. Well, here's, here's, here's another theory because it was a fact that uh, they were considering initially Judd Nelson for <laughs> oh, right. the role of Peter Lowe. Now, let's put him in the ro- Would it have been a black comedy? No, Sp- certainly not 80s Judd Nelson. Um, yeah, well, it would have been, yeah, it would have been him off the back of Breakfast Club. I think it would have been darker. I think it would have, yeah, it would have changed the movie completely. He I would think. have had the same intensity, but I don't think it would have been over the top, edged comically like the way Cage does it. Yeah. Mm. Well, you know, and and that scene that David's mentioning that shows that Nicolas Cage can act because he, he there is that, it was scary, as threatening. Yeah, and and he can do that occasionally. It's just that he also will then go completely like. I'm convinced that Nicolas Cage was born in the wrong universe and he actually needed to be born in like the Roger Rabbit universe where he could be an actual cartoon character. He's a cartoon living in a man's body. Yeah, if he could have surgery to turn himself into a cartoon character, I'm pretty sure he would have done it by now. Just like this! 
Eddie, please. Yeah. Um, oh. But 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 the, I think he's one of those actors like Mark Wahlberg. They really need a certain director to to rein in their performance because I mean one one of, I've mentioned it before. One of my favorite Nicolas Cage movies is Lord of War. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's a very full on. It's an excellent movie. It's an excellent movie, and he is excellent in it. Mm-hmm. And he has given some really seriously good. So he comes in th- three degrees. There's wacky, crazy Nicolas Cage. There's sort of mid range Con Air, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the Rock. Rock. Yep. Yeah. And, and then you've got Nicolas Cage really reined in. Really restrained, really, you know, it's like at the beginning of the of Lord of War, the director grabbed him, smacked him around the head a bit and said, just knock that shit off. Just stop it. <laughs> Basically, you know, yeah. You can't calm down and, and get on with the job. And whereas this, <laughs> the director's gone, it's your film, buddy, go for yeah. it. The director was too busy off probably, uh, you know, doing something he shouldn't have been. Um, <laughs> I think they all were. This scene. Hurry it up. There was a, there was a line in... Uh, the commentary track with the director where he said, um, I think I might have caught it. I think this is it. Let, let me play this. Hang on. But what's Nick doing? Why is he talking like that? What's wrong with him? I said, no, no, this is cool. Actually, I didn't even notice that there was an accent, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm sorry, but he noticed there was an accent. You couldn't help but notice that there was an accent. <laughs> I didn't realize the director was British. I didn't that either. That might have a lot to do with <laughs> That could. He sounded like Jersey Shore guy. I'd have to listen to his voice again to peg it, but but it yeah, I mean, bro, it sounded broy. Oh no, no, he um, wow, he was originally going to direct the 1986 Fly with huh. Jeff Goldblum. Oh wow, that would have been maybe a very maybe. different movie. <laughs> maybe maybe this is like a Wild Wild West situation where. <laughs> The guy that couldn't do Superman, which was supposed to be Nick Cage as well, got, did his big spider later. So maybe this is his transformation movie. That could be. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I don't know where I was or what I was talking about. I lost it doesn't my, matter. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I, I wonder if, did Maria Conchita Alonso go on to anything after this? The only other oh, thing. Oh, she was Total I, Recall, wasn't she? she yes. No, no, that's not. No, her. she what was, was in Predator Two. Running Man. Well, yeah, Running, Running Man. That's, yeah. Running Man was before this, but then she she yeah. had a, a small role in Predator Two, and that's the other thing I can remember her from. But but no, not Some really. Of names I remembered hearing when I was a kid, but I couldn't place anything she was in. <laughs> well, it was you know it was this and the Running Man. Uh, English she film was, director. She was probably fully terrorized after this movie. <laughs> that was it. She probably had to go on a really nice long vacation on an island somewhere. Yeah, well, I would have. I would have been. But Jeez. she can only wear those dresses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Boy, were those 80s or what? Yeah, like, those... that, that was some 80s fashion right there. It was so, so You know weird. what, though? Like, I was, I was, I lived in the 80s, and... I don't remember anyone apart from the really homely churchy girl that lived next door to me that wore those dresses. Right. Like well, that, yeah, that, that was not a look. That's what it evokes. A- but she yeah. was. Yeah. Evokes. They were trying to make her be like the innocent, like especially. It's like everything was exaggerated so strongly. Like, oh, he's going to abuse her in the office. Let's make her feel as innocent and like unworth, like uh, undeserving of this torment yeah. by putting her in this yeah. dress. And then he's going to be so over the top. It's like, yes, this is way too much. It, yeah, whereas the the Jennifer Bills was in the tight black skirt and mm-hmm. you know very sex, sort of sexy outfit, but it's amazing they didn't put a big bow in her hair. True, <laughs> you know that was the only thing. Like, that was Let's missing. really play this up. Uh, so Maria Conchita Alonso actually she kept uh, she's kept acting right up until today. She's got over a hundred credits, so just nothing she, nothing big. Has, I mean, has she ever worked with Nick Cage again? I don't think so. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> well, good on you, Maria. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> oh man, there was just there was a lot in this movie, and yet there was nothing in this movie, and it just it was all over the place. But I'm glad to say that I I, I watched it now. Like I can say that, and I I've seen Nick Cage. Was it? I don't think it was you, Gidget, that said it to me, or maybe it was that this isn't Nick Cage at his best or his worst but it is him at his most. 
And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's probably the best description you can make for this this role for him is just it's Nick Cage turned up to eleven. Yeah. What do you think the least Nick Cage Nick Cage movie is? What's the most commercial thing he's done? Because I think the the last Boy. very commercial thing that it was primarily him was probably um, National Treasure. But the most recent big commercial thing, I think, was Into the Spider-Verse. But, of course, he had a very oh, small yeah. role in that. Yeah, see, and that yeah, I, I don't think Sorcerer's Apprentice is probably just... He's playing... He's the name on the poster, but he's not Oh, really... I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most... That's the thing. It's so little cage element that you just forget about it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's very, he's very controlled in national, the two National Treasure movies as well. I thought he was great. Those are those are, yeah, those are like one those of my movies. kid favorite movies. Yeah, I like those movies too. Every time they're on TV, I've got to watch them because I just think they're, they're really well done. I can understand why they did a sequel, and I really think they could do a third. I they've, think people would watch that. They've talked about doing a third one, so I don't know if it's going to happen or not. But I know that there has been a rumor of that for a while. It's. With Nick Cage, it's interesting because you can tell the movies he does just for a paycheck, which <laughs> has been happening a lot more recently. Like, if you look at his IMDb list ever, it's like, you know, a movie a year, one, maybe two, and then all of a sudden, somewhere around, like, 2006, it's like three, four movies every year. He's been taking a lot of smaller roles in bigger productions, though. Well... Because, like, Kick-Ass, he was in that, but he wasn't, like throughout the movie and other other things i think he's gotten to that point where he can just like step into a role for a few minutes and then okay that'll keep the paychecks coming in yeah but if you look at like starting with the weatherman in 2005 it's like the weatherman world trade center the wicker man ghost rider next national treasure bangkok dangerous knowing bad lieutenant and that's just to 2009 so that's only a three-year <laughs> span and those are all starring he's, he's roles. He's Michael Caining it. Michael Caine said the same thing. And at the end of the day, for them, it's a it's a job, just yeah. like any job. As, you know, yeah. if you're a secretary or a truck driver or anything, they're actors. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's that old saying, "Actors act." Uh, you know, they've just got to keep it in. I mean, I'd love to know how much money he has because <laughs> you'd think he would be super mega Oprah rich. Wasn't from he- from the movies. Wasn't he an infamous money problems? Yeah, there That's was. What I heard too. Yeah. Wikipedia has his net worth as of 2017 estimated at 25 million. Which, if you think That's about, not much when you think of the the amount of movies he's made. Right, and some of the movies yeah. he's made that made a good amount of money too. So, I think. Do you reckon he's one of those guys that just buys really expensive cars and houses and motorbikes and stuff like that, and it just drains away his money and I, that's why he has, has to keep working so much he yeah. had an infamous that, comic collection he had an action comics number one mm-hmm. um that he sold for like 2.6 million dollars or something stupid like that yeah wow. so definitely a spender also yep, I, divorces yeah like yeah that'll more do of it. those and they <laughs> tend to, to take a whack at that that bank account it's also true um i have heard he does spend a lot of money and i know he spent money on like houses and things like that. So, um, but you know, I I never begrudge actors for taking jobs because they got to make money, and it's fine if you want to keep doing. But it's it's interesting because you can tell a job, you know, a, a movie that Nick Cage does that he really wants to do versus one he just does for a paycheck. Because Lord of War is a perfect example of that. Or Bringing Out the Dead is another one that I like to use as a movie that he's really really good in and is also a really good movie. It, mm. You know, he he's capable of really bringing a character to life when he wants to, or he just goes crazy. Um, so he can do either one. But, you know, some of his stuff is great. And, and honestly, some of the crazy is a lot of fun. Like it's... The Wicker Man. That is crazy fun. Yeah, I'm that's, looking forward to that. That's... that's yeah, and, and, you know, I didn't mention it at the top of the show because I'm just not good at my job um <laughs> this month it's uh, this is coming out in august and august for us is going to be nick cage month we're watching all nick cage movies all month so this is kicking us off uh i think in pretty grand fashion really uh to do vampires high bar yeah <laughs> 
Well, that's, I mean, I mean, that's an interesting question as well. And I, I talk to my friends about this, all my, all my film friends. Um, and, and there's a lot of movies that I've watched this year and last year and they did incredibly well at the box office, massive, but then I don't remember them. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I personally, if I was a filmmaker, I'd rather make something that doesn't have huge box office but becomes a cult film. And th- that's where you've got to give credit to this. This is a cult movie. People are still talking about this movie. Yep. You know, so oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, would rather, I would rather make a not-so-great movie that's remembered by a lot of people, even remembered for being really crap, than I, a huge, you know, Avengers 400 movie that no one remembers, you know, it's four hours long and no one remembers anything that happens in it. I think we, we coined a term earlier this year to cover that. It's the Avatar effect. Right. Yes. Yeah. Huge because, blockbuster. No one can remember it. Yeah. Or Transformers is another example of that. The Transformers movies, like they've made how many of those now? Five or six of them. And six. Tell me, like anything that actually happened in any of those movies. I can because, give you the plot of the first three because I was the age of the target audience when those came out. All right, that's fair. <laughs> I so the last I'm older than you guys, so all I could all I, all I could say is um, Megan Fox's butt. That's it. That's I all that. I remember from those movies. Yeah, those well. movies have dragged on so long. I forgot Shia LaBeouf was in the first one. He's in the first four. Yeah, yeah but like the, the point that the series has gotten to now, like with Bumblebee, and like they're kind of rebooting it, or I don't know what they're I doing didn't with even it. Remember that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, I think it came and went, but I I, I saw a screenshot of. The first Transformers are like, holy crap, I forgot Shia LaBeouf was in that. <laughs> the first one actually, is good, I, I, and I, 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 will, I will defend that. Yeah. Bumblebee was actually quite good. Um, I, it had heart in it, which I think the other movies lack. The, the trouble is when you make movies like that, if you don't care about anybody in the film, mm. you know, you, you, you've got no investment in it. Like, it, at least with Vampire's Kiss, you cared about Alva. Yeah. Because yeah. as I said, you know, constantly through the movie, you're going, the poor woman. <laughs> Poor Alva, you know, but if, if, if you're not invested in anyone, and, and it, it can work either way, you don't necessarily have to really like them, you could really hate somebody as well, but you've got to feel something for someone, and I think that's, you know, that's why I sort of, I think I watched the second, started to watch the second Transformers movie, and then I just fell away, and then a friend of mine said, uh, you've got to see Bumblebee, and I'm like, oh, is it one of those Transformers movies? And they said, oh, it's a little bit different, and I watched it, and I actually quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I've heard so, that. I not, haven't not, seen not it yet. Not target audience. <laughs> but that, that's true. And that's why I think the Marvel movies work so well, because you do actually care about the characters. Um, I mean, I, I was sitting through Endgame, and there were moments in that that gave me chills because of the story that they had told and the, the investment I had in those characters. Whereas I don't think I've seen a Transformers movie after the third one because I went to the theater, I saw it, and I was like, okay, and that's over, and I couldn't remember anything about it nothing stuck because i just didn't care about any of the characters i didn't even care about like the transformers characters which is what i was there to see were the big robots and i didn't care about them either because they were so outside of optimus prime they're all so cookie cutter and you're right i mean you don't have to necessarily like them like they didn't make peter lowe in vampire's kiss is not a likable character at all or um we were talking about uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas a few weeks ago, and they're not likable characters either. They're not good people, but they're memorable, and you get at least some investment in them. That was my problem yeah. with Miami Vice, which yeah. we just watched recently. Is I just didn't care. It was just yeah, yeah. it was just milk toast throughout the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. On Transformers, the most likable character was Jazz, the Saturn vibe, who gets torn in half by Megatron in no ceremonious way. It's just like, done. Yeah, basically. Um, so I have a few clips of audio that I want to play just because yes. this this movie <laughs> this movie warrants it. Um, so Nick Cage laughs a lot in his movies, but this is probably the most forced laugh I've ever heard from him, and that was this one. <laughs> that is... That is like my level of acting laughing. Uh, it's it's insane. And, and that, that was twice. They actually did that twice in that same that shot. That was at the very beginning, right? Yeah. When he's laughing with his – yeah, they really brought you in with that laugh. Uh, that's and then, a, that's a, I'm wanting to get laid, so I'm laughing at everything. Else. Right. Well, 
it, I think one of my notes was like, yeah, this is how drunk people actually act. Because um, th- that was so over the top. Um, Maybe they were drunk the whole movie. No, that could be. <laughs> or high, yeah, I actually, guess. Yeah. Actually, you know what it's like? I've just suddenly realized this his performance all the way through this movie is like being in acting class. <laughs> and if you've, yeah. if, if you've ever seen acting class, you know how they've got to be a tree or, or do all that. Because the whole idea is you've got to lose the the feeling of embarrassment of doing stuff. And most people right? overact yeah. to do that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Reach the back of the room. and it, It's a very theatrical performance in a film. Yeah. That is... Stage, I mean. Yeah, that is some powerful insight there, actually. Because, yeah, it is. It's, it's that overacting. It's that going way beyond. Because um, clearly Nick Cage has no embarrassment. He can't be embarrassed by anything. No. Well, you Electric can't really, as an actor, you've, yeah, you've, you've, and that's what it's like. That's what this entire performance of his in this movie is like. It's like him going to acting class, and they're like, all right, now you've got to do this, and now you've got to, right, just let yourself go. Let, you know, uh, you know, the whole, you know, open your eyes as wide as you can. You know, well, yeah. don't, don't, don't be embarrassed about it. And it is, it's like a, an a acting class, but he's just doing it really badly. Yeah, it must be really nice to get paid a lot of money for, to take acting classes. i'm in the wrong business um so here was an example of him just dropping the accent uh completely because he's got us you know speak at a at a volume am i getting through to you just didn't didn't care at all and to you (laughs) and david this was uh i loved your your snapchat you sent of like what even is this movie and it was this shot <laughs> it just jumps on top of the. Oh. I, w- I was going to play that audio from my phone, but you hear me <laughs> laughing at the end of it in my Snapchat. I watched it like three times in a row. It's almost oh. like he's he's like acting in a musical number with like choreography, but there's no music and there's nobody else dancing. It's just him. No, but you're not far off because he did talk about like the alphabet thing. Which oh, I, yeah. we played it at the top of the show. I don't need to play the whole thing again because it's kind of long. But he talked about the fact that he basically choreographed out that whole thing in his hotel room um, before he uh, before he actually shot it. Sorry, I had a spider coming down my desk. <laughs> and I love that he at the end of that he yells, "I've never misspelled anything." Oh yeah, that's uh, you mean you mean this? <laughs> I misfiled, misfiled. This, and and this was where I was like, he's acting like an infant almost. Is Well, he even did it like he like did like a pouty arm cross. Yeah, he did like his uh, a pouty arm cross and then like a Mick Jagger pose. Um, <laughs> very temper tantrum. You know, well, that's and, like I mean, when he's in the nightclub and he's walking really strangely, and he ooh. based that on that movie Nostrafu. He was trying to do. Yeah, he was the trying vampire. to be Count, Count yeah. Orlock. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah and some, when you read about it, there's just some weird choices and unless you read about it when you're watching it for the first time you're like what's going on there but then you read about it and you go ah and that's why it's worth watching it again i think so. read about it and then watch it again (laughs) i i actually agree with that because when i was watching it i'm like wow he's really hamming it up when he's walking through the nightclub and then all of a sudden i realized oh no he's doing count orlock because yeah i really like that movie i've seen it quite a few times so as and they you know they show it earlier in the movie him watching it on tv yeah. Um, but then, you know, you get something like where he's in the car when they're in the taxi coming back. Um, and he'll, he would flip so quickly. Like there's one line where he just says, it never just goes away. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love that delivery. And almost immediately after that is when he just flips out on her. Like, <laughs> and the cab driver's just you know there <laughs> yeah the cab driver's you know and then you know he starts retching which apparently he doesn't even know why he started doing that um but uh oh i thought it was because you you cannot animal? well that's probably a good indicator but i don't ask how i know this but i don't think you can consume blood like it doesn't sit well. It's like no, seawater. No, you're right. Like and that. and later on in the movie, yeah. Out, yeah. And later on in the movie, the retching makes sense for that. But in the cab, he started doing it, and it didn't really make sense. That was probably eating a New York uh, pigeon. 
Uh, yeah, point. Or hit a squirrel on the way over. Which that was a funny I had, story. I had to actually drug drug yeah. those pigeons so he could catch one. <laughs> yeah, that I love that story. And but and then, oh, the and the other thing, there's, there's little things that I just keep remembering. That's why you need to watch it again because you, you, there's just bits. There's a bit where he's going into a building and there's those two people dancing. The mimes, yeah. yes. The mimes, but like the street is completely empty, so it's not. They can't be busking. No, yeah. just... and, and the director again, no idea why they're there. They're just in the movie. Right. Yeah. And also, why does he go into this random building to use the phone? Like he knew there was a phone there. Well, not his building. No, but you know, there was a time where every building there was a phone in the lobby. Like we don't think yeah. about that now because everyone carries their phone around with them. But there was definitely a time, especially in a city like New York, where that would have been the the thing. Um, I also loved how he, after he shoot, tries to shoot himself with the gun, he puts the blanks. You know, because he doesn't know that they're blanks. Which, by the way. I don't care if they're blanks. You're not pulling that off and like coming out of that unscathed. Yeah, that would suck. That would be terrible. But he tried to work in. He even said this in the commentary. He tried to work in the fact that he said "boo hoo." So he that's oh. literally what he what he shouts is. <laughs> he just wanted to see if he could get away with it, and so he did it not once, but twice. <laughs> he Ooh, says uh. "boo hoo." <laughs> Legitimately says boohoo in this movie. I love it. What a what a guy. What an actor. Oh, he is an actor. He really is. You know, I mean, this is him talking about like watching the movie and doing his own commentary, where he's just like, "I, I was off my rocker." <laughs> or the, said it better myself, Nicky boy. Or uh, you know, literally. And look, I've I've produced a few things in my younger days, so I can completely get behind having that question because you know you're watching something and all you can think is like that. Yeah. What what is that? <laughs> you know, that's I've had that exact thing. But he even said they just didn't care. They didn't. They cared about making a movie. They didn't care what anyone thought about it. So when you have that kind of a, a mentality, this is what you get: is Vampire's Kiss. To me, to no, me, that could also be like a. To me, that feels like a, oh, we meant to do that, like revisionist sort of thing. Like we saw how badly it was reviewed, and you know, not to say that they were trying to make the world's greatest film, because boy, they missed the bucket on that one. Um, but you can definitely see that oh, it didn't get reviewed well. Nobody received it well. We lost over a million dollars when we only had two million to begin with um you yes. can definitely see that and say oh it's i bet you the money's made or the movie's made more money since than it did in oh, the box probably. office oh absolutely uh, like because i paid for it <laughs> i paid to watch it well I won't, I won't i won't say i didn't you know and the thing is you can say okay it's a little bit of revisionist but at the same time like nick cage has said in in the past up until probably just a few years ago, he hated Moon. Um, was it Moonstruck? Yeah. And uh, because he just he didn't like his performance in it when he was younger, and as he's gotten older, he's like, I've reached a maturity level where I can actually appreciate that now. But he's like, but at the same time, this was a movie that he apparently just had a lot of fun doing, and I can completely see on a movie like this with this kind of a. You know, you get a script that's got this in it, and it's somebody just losing their mind, and you you just say, you know what, we're just going to make what we want to make, and who cares if anyone likes it or not? You know, we like it. So when you're, when, you know, when you're Nick Cage, even at that stage in his career, you can get away with that. So I really need to listen to the um, commentary track. Yeah, that, that sounds like fun. Is it is it worth, you know? Me going out and actually buying the, the DVD of this and listen to the commentary track. I think what you do is you find like a you know the the five dollar bin uh, DVD, the ten dollar <laughs> bin, and get it that way. Right. Don't, don't go out and buy the Blu-ray for the commentary track. I can't right. imagine you'll spend a lot of money on this movie. That's true. <laughs> I certainly hope you aren't. <laughs> oh, I did have uh, two other clips that I wanted to play just because this one just this made me laugh out loud while I was watching the movie. It was right at the end when he's hallucinating talking to his uh, therapist I turn into a vampire it's a long story like he's just so calm about it I turn into a vampire it's a long story and then this is actually our second movie in a row where somebody says this 
that was the the boss saying, "I'm trying to take a dump because last week we had." Uh, I gotta take a dump in Doom, and no. I mean, how does that happen two weeks in a row? That wasn't planned. I promise you. That's weird. Um, what are you doing? What are you doing next week? Uh, actually, next week is going to be Con Air. So. Woo! Oh, that, fingers crossed! Someone says I've got to go and take a dump. Yeah, I'm, I, let's go for three weeks in a row. Yeah. <laughs> it might be. You never know. I, I haven't seen the movie in a while, so. Um, yeah, that's Vampire's Kiss. I mean, it's it's something else. It is an experience, though. I will say this: so I do kind of like to go around and see what people thought about sort of a, a final thought on the movie, and I will say that it's not a good movie, but in the right situation with a group of friends and especially with somebody who's never seen it before, I would watch this again. Um, I don't know if I'd sit down and watch it by myself again. I might, but I'm, I would much rather have a group of people around to, to share that experience with. Uh, but AJ, what's your take on it? I think it was a particularly mediocre film. I think everyone should watch it and that it is worth watching at least once again if just to as Gidget mentioned like read up on it beforehand to try to make a little bit more sense of how it got made and what they're doing even though I doubt it'll actually make the story any more logical <laughs> <laughs> and uh, David your take uh, this is a phenomenal comedy film <laughs> um, right. a lot of the jokes that I resounded with in this movie worked a lot better visually so I'm not going to try and uh, play the, the the audio from it um, but when he first gets the the teeth from the Chinese <laughs> the Chinatown store and he puts them in he like frantically tears open the bag and then he makes the 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 uh, the Nosferatu characters the the sort of the brandishing face yeah there's a strike of the orchestra that is so perfect to something that is so utterly unthreatening. The, <laughs> the balance of it is if you walk down the street and saw someone do that, you would literally call them a psycho and just w- keep walking, but they're playing it off. Like it's this terrifying hit and there's like a huge orchestra hit right as it happens. Yeah. Um, and I also resounded if, if it's on the internet somewhere, listeners, you must find the final scene where he's talking uh, to his hallucination girlfriend. <laughs> oh, yes. It cuts between him on the street because it is probably the funniest two or three minutes of dark comedy I can remember in a movie. And it's probably not supposed to be comedy. It's <laughs> a good way to put it. The cut between him saying, I like walking in the forest i like going to the beach i like vivaldi those are exactly the same things i like (laughs) and then it'll cut to him bloody on the street and he'll go wow just (laughs) it is so good i think i recorded the entire thing on my phone (laughs) i will you gotta find it it's so worth watching (laughs) Uh, and one final thing I'd like yeah. to say mm-hmm. um, before I watched this movie the only thing I did was I read the IMDB first two sentence description and oh, I yes. watched the trailer I thought this was going to be a vampire movie <laughs> oh they you silly person too. Uh, so that brings us to then Josh um, it was <sighs> I feel like this should be required viewing for anyone looking to go to film school or make like productions just because it's like rather than there, there's certain ways that you can learn from other people's mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is like, or, or I guess the room is kind of the same thing. Like, yeah, the, you can, you can complete a film, but it doesn't make it a movie. It doesn't make it like a story. And, then, and there's a lot of themes that you can like, you can see where it like was stitched together and like, yeah, they kind of were going for something, but it didn't really come together or work. So for that aspect, I would say definitely watch it just because it's worth seeing how it kind of falls, falls apart. But if you're just a general consumer with an afternoon to kill, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Depends <laughs> on if there's something else on, maybe, I don't know. 
watch this with your friends. Don't watch it by yourself. Yeah. Don't spend more than three dollars on it. Get four uh, people together, pitch in two, three bucks a piece, and <laughs> there you yeah. go. And and watch. I love I love this movie. I'll just say <laughs> it. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. And and Gidget, your your take on it. It is crazy, insane, and I look. I'm. I, I love it as well. I love it. It's just. It's just that just appreciation of just how just nuts it is. And take Nicolas Cage out and put any other actor in, and we would not be talking about this movie today. Oh, absolutely! It'd be a horror. It'd be a horror movie. If, yeah, if or, or just this... a boring movie. Just it'd just yeah. be a boring movie. It wouldn't even be a horror movie. It'd just be boring, you know. And and he just he he is this movie, and I can understand why this is his favorite movie. Um, <laughs> it is just, but I completely agree with all of you. I watched it by myself the first time, and I only watched it for the first time last year because Sam from Every Years and Twenty Kids. He said, "I want to come on Retro Cinema." He said, "But can we please, please, please do Vampires Kiss?" And I'm like, "I've never seen it," so I watched it with my mouth open, like just <laughs> sitting there, just it. yeah, just stunned, just going this. I'd seen the the memes online yeah. of his face, and like we've even done t-shirts. Yeah, the t-shirt, that crazy face. Um, so I'd seen all that, and I'm like, ah, it's from this movie, right? <laughs> and then and then I insisted my partner sit down and watch it with me for the second time. He sat there with his mouth open, <laughs> just going, this, he's like, this is no serious, no, this no, that's what he kept saying. I can't believe this is happening. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah, and I agree. Get a huge group of friends together, like-minded friends who've got the same sense of humour, sit down, and it's like, you know, you'd never sit down and watch The Room by yourself this movie's the same. It's the same with Wicker Man. It's the same with The Happening. You, you need a group of friends so that you can all just sit there and you can take the mickey out of it, you know, because it's just it's good fun. It is good, crazy fun. Yeah, I think uh, we all agree on that, so that's excellent. Well, all right, well, I want to thank all of you for joining me this week. This is our second, uh, actually second week in a row where we've had uh, five people, and it's it's made for really good conversations. So I thank all of you for taking some time out. Uh, Gidget especially for, you know, getting up a little bit early. Um, and uh, <laughs> Three hours earlier than what I normally do. <laughs> well, you're a trooper, and we appreciate it. It's been a lot no, of fun. my pleasure. My pleasure. And, um, yeah, I, that, that is Vampire's Kiss. Now, um, next week, uh, I mentioned earlier, we're going to be watching, uh, we're continuing Nicolas Cage Month with Con Air, um, which is one that I have seen before. Uh, I have a feeling that David hasn't seen it before. Uh, I hadn't seen any movie we referenced this uh, podcast. Okay. That, that's weird. Other, I just watched, other than I just watched it the other day. I watched <laughs> it the other day, and John Malkovich actually steals that movie. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this one because I have a lot of memories of this uh, this next movie as well. Um, so you can find this podcast at uh, the website, tvstravis.com. There's a big uh, subscribe button right there. You can subscribe, never miss an episode. We put them out every Saturday. Um, now, August this year has five Saturdays in it. So that means we're going to have five Nicolas Cage movies. So stay tuned for that because um, it's just going to get better, I think, from here. Um this is a, a well that won't run dry for quite a while. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, we, should, we, should we rate, as we move forward, should we rate Cage performances based off this, since this is the first one we watched? Probably. Um, I, I'm going to come up, we'll, we'll have to come up with a scale of Cage performances, you know. Uh, I think it should be out of um, Poor Alvas. How, <laughs> how many Poor Alvas do you give Ooh. this movie? I do like but that. But is that a good – do you want poor Alvas or do you want as few as possible? Is it like golf? I give I, this movie I, negative poor Alvas. It was excellent. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to discuss that you a little bit You guys work further. out the system, but I think yeah. that would be quite funny. I Maybe like that. we should – this is the first time I've thrown this out and I have no clue how it will work logistically. Maybe we should have listeners vote on our final Nick Cage film. Um, we need listeners first. So oh, yeah, it's going to be a little tricky. But uh, hey, well, at least she can she she let us know what she wants. That's true. We we can have at least one person vote. Um, no, I don't worry. I'll, I'll get all our listeners to come over, and I'm actually on the um, oh yeah, plug yourself with Scott and Brian this Thursday. I'm on again. So oh, you are great. I will pimp, I will pimp your pod, this podcast on the morning stream. Awesome. <laughs> well, yeah. and in your podcast, Retro Cinema, um, you guys come out weekly, right? 
We do. Uh, I'm actually recording this afternoon. So we're doing our, it's end of month, so we're doing our top 10 80s cops. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we do a top 10 at the end of each month, but mostly we just pick an 80s movie that we love, both loved back then because we're both basically the same age, that we loved back then, we watched as a teenager, and that we still love now. So does it still stand up? So we only do the ones that we love. So it's a pretty positive podcast. We don't, you know, rip them apart or anything like that. I mean, we'll still point out faults if there are faults, but uh, generally, yeah, when we're not a, a review podcast so much as a just we love this movie and we're going to talk about it. Excellent. And it is a, it is a good podcast. I listen to it every week uh, and I do enjoy it. Thanks, um, Travis. And actually, because I, ha- I only found it just recently, I've got a lot of back catalog uh, that I can go through. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Yeah, don't, don't go right back because I didn't have a very good microphone. <laughs> but, I, you know, it's one of those things when you've got a podcast, you know, you go back and listen to your first couple and you're like, oh, I really wouldn't mind doing them again <laughs> now that I've got a good good microphone and all that sort of thing. But, you know, that's that's with everybody's podcast, I suppose. But, that's true. Um, yeah, this, this has been an absolute – thank you so much for having me on again because – yeah, it's a crazy film. I love talking about it. Uh, and the other thing, oh, when uh, the Retro Cinema did it, my partner does all our animated GIFs from the mm-hmm. movie. I've got a heap for this. Oh. A heap of animated GIFs that you cannot find online. And and you guys, I'll, I'll have to get all your details and I'll send you all the GIFs and you can use it to pimp this podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Well, yes, thank you for joining us. Thank all of you guys. Uh, as, as always, a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoy doing this. Um, if you're listening, go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I guess it's called now. Leave us a review. That helps the podcast out a lot. Spread the word. Um, you know, Get your friends to listen uh, or at least get them to subscribe and download it, uh, even if they don't want to listen. Um, but uh, until next time, what we always like to sign off with is to enjoy your movies. So go out and do that. Thank you.